Episode 311, Brain Candy oh, Podcast. Oh, 311. Also, the, one of the first concerts I Sarah's went to. Sarah's favorite band. Loved it. That album, mm, 311. I think it's like from, Mo- no, I don't care. Are they called. a one-hit wonder? No. No, not at all. Like what, four-hit wonder? No, more. I don't judge. I mean, all you need is one. I think, and then they had some hits later, I think. Yeah. Everyone just knows that one. But I know every single word to every every single song on their like album that, I think it was self-titled album. But like, you know when you have listened to an album so many times that you can anticipate the next song and you like start singing yeah. it before? I love it. And I love every single song in that whole. It's often what I listen to when I'm doing like rock climbing or snowboarding because it just feels right. You want to get pumped. Yeah. And it was also the first time I ever smelled marijuana and I was like... <laughs> What is that? You have a Pavlovian response. I was like, uh, I was like a narc that who I was like, that is not allowed. They should not be doing that. I was like 15 at the time. I was definitely a square. What do you think of the recent controversy when I think it was Jezebel did an article the other day that said Jagged Little Pill sucks the album? Excuse me? Uh, I am sorry. I beg to differ. Can you believe? Do you think they were just hoping for like hate clicks? Because everybody loves that. Yeah, record. and we've already uh, established that uh, "You Ought to Know" is one of the best go-to karaoke songs that gets everybody singing. Yeah, that's another album that I can anticipate the next one. That's what made me think of it when you said that because that's the first yep. album I probably knew that wasn't yep. like a greatest hits album or yeah. something. It was definitely Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, Green Day, Dookie. And 311. Wow. Yeah, those, those were, were my go-to. And also the soundtrack to Get Shorty, which went, as a 12-year-old when it came out is an odd choice for me considering <laughs> it's all like acid jazz and like odd. Like, well, what was it? it you was, just loved the movie? Yeah, no, I didn't even see the movie. I just loved the sound. It was, it's a lot of instrumental stuff and it's like jazz. Do and you I love used jazz? To, I, well, I think my dad was uh, uh, like an award-winning Do, like he produced like or it was an art director for some documentaries on jazz artists like they won an award for cool. one on Thelonious Monk and so I grew up with a lot of like my dad was really into like African American music Oh yeah and, I remember he did yeah, he teach a course Yeah he okay. he taught like um uh, African American studies in like junior college that and stuff. Is so so funny to I me. grew up with this like rich cult, like like just knowing, you know, and that's what he took us to. We went to all of those, you know, like musical events where we were like the o- like only white people and also the only children <laughs> there. And it was like, here you go, you're it sounds like that. Rachel Dole is all yeah. Well, except I'm not out there. I'm definitely saying I'm white. I'm just you know loving the music if you heard one of the, the songs culture. from that album would you just get down right yeah, now yeah and it's what i like to paint too like i got this oh. get shorty soundtrack and or like my dad got it for christmas and then i took it and i got that the same year i got a beautiful watercolor set and i think just the music and like yeah. the art came together in one and i was just like were oh, you ever happiest memories old enough or whatever did the years align where you had cassettes even yeah Okay. Oh, I remember those ones too. Okay. Yeah, Salt and Pepper and Janet. Ja- <laughs> oh my God, that's all I listen to: Salt and Pepper and Janet Jackson's I like Control. How you say Salt and Pepper. C- Pepper. Sorry, <laughs> Salt and Pepper. I even I loved that cassette so much that we had uh, cockatiels, and I named them Salt and Pepper. That's cute. Yeah, and like they were that. eaten by raccoons. <laughs> Because I left, we left him outside. I don't know why my parents thought that was a good idea, but a raccoon opened the door to the birdcage and ate them. <laughs> Yeah, salt and pepper, 
R.I.P. R.I.P. What? Yeah, true story. Why is your life weird all <laughs> it's the time? It's so weird. It's so true. I think I just remember details more. I'm sure people have these weird stories where that stuff happened. Let me ask you this. Okay, go. Are you sure that this is how your various pets actually died? A hundred million percent. It's not like, oh, we went up to a farm. No, no, that's how they died. We, I remember because we went on like a camping trip and we were only gone for like two days. And we put them outside okay, right on no our ledge. There was like a okay. ledge that was on our patio, like a bar, like bar ledge where you can, you know, put some food or whatever. Yeah. And we had the cage on that ledge. And when we came home, I remember like, oh, I got to go check on the birds and not seeing them and having that panic. And my mom was just like, I know what happened. Like, is it possible though that the raccoon opened the door and they flew out? That is possible. That is a happy. Oh, I their feel like there may have been clipped. evidence. Oh, and their <laughs> wings were definitely clipped. A hundred percent, wings were clipped. Okay, well, they're definitely right, they're dead. dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We also went on a trip once and left our hamsters at home, like just oh, like no. And we didn't know this at the time, but you can't put male uh, male hamsters in the same cage together. Like they get too aggressive, and. W- each of us kids had one. It was Romeo, Simbad, and Hercules were the name of our ham- hamsters. <laughs> okay. Romeo ate the other two. We came back home. The other two were murdered and parts. <laughs> and murdered. And oh, the one was looking real full. <laughs> True story. Shut up. Where I think I people who think had animals natural. have the... I do. They do this? That happens. Like, we had a friend who had a bearded dragon and didn't know to that when the babies, when you have a bearded dragon and it's, it's a baby, it can't kill the, like, it can't defend itself against the cricket. You have to kill, like, kill the crickets first or give them, like, free start crickets. What happens? The crickets ate the, like, teamed up and ate the no, lizard. No. Hands to God, hand to God, true story. Bearded Sarah. dragon, RIP too. <laughs> and didn't you have a dog named, like, Cheeseburger? Or waffles. <laughs> yeah. Dog named Waffles who died because he was epileptic. But that was not my fault. And we picked him up from the pound. Like, we, I got him at a shelter. And it was week one he started having seizures. And he was just... Susie's dying over here. Poor, poor Waffles. <laughs> R.I.P. It's just that you had a very death-filled... I just had animals and animals die. <laughs> Animal, you know, that happens. Circle of life. I don't know about that. Well, so many. So it is circle of life in all those situations. No. Raccoons eat the bird. Romeo's like, nobody's feeding me. They've been gone for a few days. I don't know. I got to oh, eat these so guys. so you think it was like a survival. Yeah. Not survival aggression. Or maybe a little both. I, I can't say I was in his, <laughs> inside his little hamster head. What would it take for you to be a cannibal? Oh my God, zero, nothing? <laughs> what? Oh, like how many days of... Oh, that's a good point. Good question. I see where we're going. How many... <laughs> like, I feel like this would be an easy decision for you. No, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking, I, I don't, don't think, think I, I could, could ever do, do it. it. I don't think I could. I would rather starve actually. Yeah. I don't know. You know, then those survival <laughs> instincts kick in and you can't be... You have no idea what... Yeah. I think it's more... I think there are a few things at play here. Not yeah. just the survival instinct, but what happens to your brain when you've when it's been nutrient deprived and ha- and you yeah you become, the madness of hunger. Yes, yeah. it, that's it. I mm-hmm. think it's more that than you know. So I don't know because I don't know how I would respond in that situation. Yeah. But I'd like to think that I wouldn't eat anybody. You know how when you're really hungry though, and something tastes so good. Yep. 
Do you think it would be like that? Prop, maybe. I, you know, I, when I was in my, um, uh, uh, like a drug, like drugs and alcohol class for school, um, you know, I really was having a hard time understanding why somebody would do a drug that didn't give them, you know, because a lot of drugs seem like the, they're downers. Yeah. The yeah. consequences are like, why would you do that? It, it seems like it would be so like, what is that? You know, and my professor explained it like, and it, it sticks, it stuck with me. And it like, I, I understand this in like a different way. He said, you know, when you go for a long time without eating and you take that first bite of food and you go, oh, and your whole body feels better. Like, it's like that with addiction where you get that feeling where like, oh, your whole body feels better. And it like, takes over the reward pathway in your brain where you don't get those feelings from food or from love or from anything like that that anymore. You just get it from the drug. Mm. And so you have to have it because it's the same as like having to eat. And I was like, oh, I know that feeling. That is a, you know. It's powerful. Yeah. And so now every time I like have that feeling, I'm like, oh, okay. I have a different, I have a new level of compassion for, you know. Yeah, people 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 that are struggling. Because you cannot it's like your body says i need this well if you're so 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 hungry yeah. and you're thinking about cannibalism yeah i would just recommend using instacart oh my gosh please do that's and- much healthier <laughs> just order what you need and then it'll show up at your door in as little as an hour mm-hmm. or at a time that works with your schedule i instacarted stuff to fill my pantry from smart and final it's right next to our house uh to go coffee cups Oh, I like, and then I used one. Yes, you did. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, you did. But you can so pay funny. Gets a card because I went and looked at another retailer for the same thing to buy online. It was like four times the price. Yeah. I'm like, no, I know they sell for cheap at, at Smart Fun, but I don't want to go there. Oh, I know. I'll Instacart it. Surprise. <laughs> Right? Instacart's great. They have uh, a variety of local and national retailers that they work with. So if you want something from Whole Foods or CVS or whatever, then you can just go and pick out what you want. Costco even, I saw. Yeah. I couldn't believe they have Costco. Um, And so they'll be doing... And who wants to go to Costco? Not me. Unless there's samples. Unless it's Sunday. Then I'm... (laughs) What if you could like, that would be like a nice perk for the, the Instacart shoppers. We're like, I'm going to send you on a Sunday so you get the samples. You're welcome. Because you could probably add a note to it and be like, mm-hmm. and get the samples. Enjoy the samples. Um, get some glasses and wear them one time through the line and then take them off and go through the line again. Get the, uh, get the app or go to instacart.com and you can shop for groceries and have them delivered to you. They keep the hot items hot, cold items cold. Try Instacart and get a $10 off your first order. To get this limited time offer, go to Instacart instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code brain candy at checkout that's ten dollars off your first order today at instacart.com or through the mobile app and don't forget to enter our code brain candy instacart.com or through the mobile app with our code brain candy at checkout i got the mobile app and i used our code there you go i love when you do that i know i do i like i'm I'm a big time (laughs) user of all of our stuff that makes me happy Uh uh-huh and then i just get it for people other people yeah just let me just sign you up give me your phone (laughs) But they're always happy. They always, always, always. And I'm sure you have this too, where people will be like, do you really like Mm -hmm. whatever it is? Mm -hmm. I had a friend who spent the night and she was like, do you really? And I'm like, let me take you on a tour through my house of the things that are 100%. (laughs) That's what I was going to do. Yes, I totally did that. Because whenever we were going to have the book club meeting here for Mm -hmm. our Brainiacs, I was like, they're going to see for themselves that our whole house is stuff that our partners recommend. Oh God. Because we only put the good ones through. 
Right. That's what people don't get. They We're don't. not just, like, taking any... You I know. think they do get it. Like the loyal brainiacs, oh, they're yeah. like, no, no, no. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Mm, um, I love it. Let's get mad about. Yes, I love. I, I'm I'm in already. <laughs> and and people don't know this, but I'm drinking wine this episode. It's wine time. So things Whoa. are going to get rowdy. Yep. What about how NASA? Oh no. Had to cancel their all female spacewalk. Because they didn't have the suits. What do you mean? They didn't oh. have enough suits for women. Space suits for the women doing the space walk. Canceled. Are you kidding me? I am not. That seems like you should have extra uniform. Like, it's essentially their uniform and their work. Like, that's the thing that you go, how many employees do I have? Okay, 20. Okay, so I need to get like 30 uniforms. Because, like, stuff happens. It's like basic basic managerial. Really simple. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? And can you imagine how much they've trained and gotten ready for that and prepped? And they're like, once... The fact that it's a wardrobe malfunction with the women th- stuff, it also makes me of angry. Of course. Of course it is. That seems gendered in and of itself. And the, the women were actually saying that even if they... The spacesuits are a problem anyway because they're not... Even the ones that are given to them are mm. really kind of too big and like yeah. not ideal. I feel like they're poorly designed. Like that's something yeah, who's they doing need. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bob. Right. I don't know. Some guy named Bob. Mm-hmm. I feel Definitely like. a right-handed male. White, <laughs> cisgendered, able-bodied, mm-hmm. white, straight man. Yep. It's infuriating, and it reminded me of how. Do you remember? I this will show my ignorance. Was Sally Ride the first? Yes. Woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. When she was preparing to go, yeah, they were like, "Okay, so we're gonna send some tampons up, mm-hmm. and like, how many do you need?" And they thought she needed a hundred for one week. <laughs> <laughs> this is in uh, 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 direct. Uh, what's the word? Like, it's exactly the opposite of. Did you see the article that came out or that somebody posted? It turned viral, but it was a guy who was like. Let me do the math on how many tampons you actually need. Yeah. It's like, and he did how many ounces on average a woman bleeds versus how much a tampon can hold. So you only need six per cycle. So it's only this much a year. So they're only paying, you know, whatever. And all the women were like, first of all, fuck you. Yeah, and he did the math wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah. And then all the, the female, like the gynecologists or anybody who works in that field was like, also, there's this thing called toxic shock syndrome where you're, you cannot wear one for more than six to eight hours. It's unhealthy and dangerous. So that's not how it works, dude. Yeah. And you think all of us are just getting to that point where we're like, we got to fill it all the way up. I can't change it because I don't want to wait. No! Right. You're taking it to the edge. <laughs> Fuck off. Well, and this was like the opposite where right. it's like... We need a hundred. What do you think? Tampons. How much do you think I'm bleeding? Get to the hospital. Right. You have a medical problem. For a week. Yeah. Just hilarious. And they also thought the woman, women were going to need makeup. They made no. space makeup. No. Yes. No, no, no. I should show you. The no, picture. they made space. Let me show you. Stop it. it. It's really You funny. know, this is one of the things I loved in our, in the book that I read last month for the uh, book club. Stop! 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 <laughs> stop! stop. Fuck you! <laughs> like she's gonna be putting makeup on in space. Stop it! The sad thing is, I probably would. I mean, at least mascara. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> lip gloss never hurt nobody. Oh, you know, Come I mean, they—they're. You know what? They're trying. They're like, we're trying to cater to women, maybe. But you know what would be a great idea? 
asking the women what they would need. <laughs> hey, like, wouldn't it be great to consult with a female when you're to preparing to send females into space? Hey, like, it all it. Also, does nobody have a wife or mother or daughter <laughs> who's right. like, guess what? You don't need. And I can imagine it's not just one person. They like looked around the room and they're like, how many tampons do you think they use? I don't know, like 50? No, it's got to be more than that. It's probably like 100. <laughs> just write 100. <laughs> like nobody came and like. Nobody. Per, oh, pointed them. I can't. I think she had to eventually be like, look, look I, I, I definitely don't need 100 tampons. <laughs> I mean, oh god! I'll tell you what, I would not want to deal with my period in space. So that's a separate. I feel like like the the anti gravity situation would maybe help because I felt like when I when I swim, it almost stops. Like I've been able to go swimming without any tampon in or anything like that, and I don't. It doesn't. Uh, I did not have that luck. Oh, you didn't. I tried that. Oh, it bad bad news. Oh. Yeah, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> right. right. And plus, like, nobody wants to be swimming in your <clears throat> blood juice. Eggs. Oh, true. Um, okay, so I remember I was going to say about the uh, the book, what she says in the book that I was like, okay, I'm this kind of girl, is when she, in the book she's writing, and she's a scientist, it's from this book Lab Girl, um, and she's writing about, you know, she's like not, a di- like, girly girl. She doesn't mm-hmm. do that. So when she was uh, going into labor, anytime she had a hospital appointment or a doctor's appointment, she would she would see the woman who would come in to help her. And she goes, I looked at her and she wasn't wearing earrings. And I'm not wearing earrings either. And I noticed that most it's 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 odd that two women meet and neither of them are wearing earrings. Like oh. she used earrings as like the symbol of like, well, we're in a world where you don't wear earrings because you're a doctor and you don't, because you got it that could be a problem. And I'm a scientist and I don't wear earrings. And it just reminded me of the makeup thing of like, we're busy being scientists and saving lives. I'm not putting on earrings and I'm not, I don't need that. And we're busy like collecting data in space. I don't need to put on any blush. Like uh, it's what you said too, where it's like on one hand, they're trying, they're trying. and that's you, really thoughtful, they, they are trying. but really out of touch. Super. That's why, that's why it's so important to like, why, you know, uh, uh, like, having a diverse team no Mm -hmm. matter what is important because the ways that we make like let's just take this as an example Mm -hmm. where you have people who are decision makers for what you're going to bring aboard whatever that is who are clearly not women who are making decisions for this group off of what they think is best yeah and they're so out of touch. And this is a really easy example because it's easy to go men, women. Mm-hmm. But if you think about this for people who are making decisions like with anything else, mm-hmm. oh, well, here's how we address the situation with our you know, uh, ethnically diverse student population and making sure that their needs are met. Yeah, well, you don't know because you're not – the people who are making decisions, like there needs to be more yeah. collaboration and more like asking of questions and – being curious rather than telling people how it is or what they're going to do. It or- does feel like ex- exhausting. Yeah. Where I'll hear these stories and I'm just like, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of having to tell, you know, so-and-so this is not okay mm-hmm. or women deserve this or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just don't want to fight all the time. Yeah. But you got to remember that we're like 
making progress because I feel yeah. like I used this example the other day when I was talking to a guy kind of like talking about the Me Too movement and, you know, he was like, well, it's like hashtag not all men kind of thing yeah. and like saying like, well, you know, what about intention and all this? And, you know, I don't mean to be doing whatever that is. And I'm like, okay, well, if you were to watch a movie like Animal House right now, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you would cringe That's a at good point. some of the things that are on yeah. there. Those when they made that movie, that was not their intention. But now we know more. Mm-hmm. The same way you look back in history, and slave owners were like, there was a time where that was like how it was, and then they were like, wait a sec, this is not mm-hmm. okay. And then it took a long time before they even figured it out, and they still don't, you don't have it yeah. all fixed. So it's like we learn, and you can't like we're making progress, and we are, you know. But you like, we kind of have to go to the extremes to, yeah make up for balance out the- yeah the arc bends towards justice though hopefully yeah yeah um and i he got it too that's which was good. great that's and how, he appreciated having for. his voice heard yeah and i we were talking there was this wonderful woman on bill maher a couple weeks ago and she was saying often when people are like we need to have a dialogue it's really just a monologue that you have to either agree with or disagree with yeah and he was like this was great because this is a dialogue where yeah. like i listened he let he shared and, and he left I think, knowing more than he came in with. That's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. And I said, thank you for just taking the time to ask the questions. And I'm so sorry that people before were like shutting you off or not letting you. Be in. But that comes from, you know, a long history of yeah. fighting this. And when you get the woman who gets upset for that one comment, she's not necessarily getting mad at just you in that comment, but also the all the other men who have ever made that comment to her or something like that that you remind her of. Yeah. And like remember that. Yeah. So And remember that even though Sarah's drinking wine, <laughs> I am not because I have been having oh, headaches. So yeah. this morning Adam made me my liquid IV. Oh good. To hydrate. Oh, yeah. And he's like he, he should work for them because That's he's great. always pushing it. What do they be call like, them? Like have- an ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to be a liquid IV ambassador. Yes. Cause I mean, and he's right. I did yeah. feel better afterwards because liquid IV is this, um, electrolyte mix that you can put into your water and it hydrates you at two to three times faster than water alone. So you're getting a lot more bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. And you know how, who wants to drink 50 things of we Water. took him to Colorado with us because it's higher elevation. Yeah. And there is an, actually a sign at the bar we went to that said oh, one yeah. drink here equals two drinks down there. Make sure you hydrate. And I was like, don't worry, Landon. Okay. I brought eight of them for our four-day trip. Should have brought more. Wow. We were drinking those. Like, that's all we, we were, like, pounding them. Yeah. And, and it helps. It totally helped. And 100%. now they have um, the ones for sleep, and he really likes those too. What? They're great for okay, the, his I night drink. Order this. Yeah, Sarah's going on her yeah, phone this right is now. What I do. Um, it's great for travel or just, you know, kids. They have great flavors, so your kids would like them. It's way better than the sugary sports drinks and all that stuff where usually. Um, given to people or, or drinking ourselves. We love Liquid IV. We know you will too. Right now, our listeners get 25% off at liquidiv.com when you use our code BRAIN at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code BRAIN to get your savings and start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code BRAIN. Yes. Don't wait, get hydrated today. Um, I have to tell you yeah. that I read an article and I think. Maybe you were accidentally racist on the show. Oh, please tell me. Yeah, I, I love, love to correct any ways that I was 
I yeah. know. At the time, I didn't think of it, but when I read this article, yeah. I thought, hmm. So it was an op-ed in the New York Times, and it was, I think the title was, Stop Calling Asian Women Adorable. And Oh, Marie Kondo. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she and is. And she is fucking adorable, <laughs> though. Right. She. It doesn't matter what ethnicity or, or, or you know, diverse background she comes from. Yeah. She's so cute. I know. But I know. I totally hate. get it. It's the same way I feel about calling Latin Latin women uh, fiery. fiery or feisty or anything. And like, okay, that's I get it. Yeah. So the article was saying that you know they could be on a panel talking about mm-hmm. their Nobel Prize, <gasps> and someone will be like, "You are cute as a button." Okay, I hate that. Or yeah. you're adorable. Or you're a pixie, which I think. Yeah. Did you call her? No, you called her a fairy. Yeah, she's like Marie. a little. But like when you see her jumping off the stairs like that, and like I can't help but picture her with fairy wings. I know she's a, a very good yes. example because as soon as you see her, that's right the instinct. But there are. Let me tell you, I have traveled a lot in Asian countries, and I don't think like that about every everybody I meet. Are some of your best friends Asian? <laughs> I'm never going to use that line ever. <laughs> no, right, right, right. But so you feel that this was just because she happens to be adorable. But I will absolutely like, uh, uh, yeah, take it on board. T- yeah, mm-hmm. and say there a hundred percent could have been times where I have said that or done that. You know, with a lot of th- you know, and yeah, for sure. I would if I were an Asian woman. I imagine I would be equally furious and writing op-eds totally. as well. Because yep. I have never walked in their shoes, so I don't know what it's like. Right. But according to the article, you know, even when you say uh-huh. you have such beautiful, like, alabaster skin or mm-hmm. something like that, you're objectifying mm-hmm. that person and reducing them mm-hmm. to just something to look at or to yeah. entertain you or whatever, yeah. and that it's not great. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to adjust. Uh, I was watching a, oh, what was what, It's that show I love with Killer Mike. Uh, camera trigger warning. trigger warning. I was watching it and he was talking about having a black Jesus and he was like, it's really interesting that, you know, uh, black people like worship this white guy. And then if you like think about him as being African-American or like not African-American being of darker skin, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the black community is like, no, no, you can't do that. And so he oh, found, really? well, he, specifically this one, um, uh, preacher that he, Went. He's like an evangelical, very famous, um, I guess, pastor or whatever they call mm-hmm. them. Um, but he had a really hard time accepting the idea, concept of like a black Jesus. And so uh, Killer Mike's like, well, I'm going to start my own religion. I'm going to have my own deity and he's going to be black and blah, 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 blah. And so he's interviewing all these and he starts his whole church and he calls it like the church of sleep or, and he's like, cause and then he interviews Ariana Huffington and he gets down to the point, like, what do we need to, like, what will help? And she's like, sleep, sleep is at the essence of everything. So he started this all based on sleep and like part of the church like, service, you have to take a nap. And then he interviews everybody afterwards and they're like, yes, I felt amazing. And it really like gave him all the good feelings that church would. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it was so good. It's such a great episode. But he interviews them and one woman said, I'm just so tired. I'm tired of having to be the strong black woman. I don't want to be that. Why people say like, can I just be, can I just be enough? And like fighting this whole, and that kind of reminds me of the thing of they're adorable or they're fiery or whatever and like how we think oh strong black woman that's such a great term to to call them but really it's putting this pressure of like 
you now have to be strong. You mm. can't be weak. And that's insane to put on somebody because everybody has moments of vulnerability and weakness. And that is what makes us strong. And so like, she was just tired of all that and felt like the freedom to, you know, be who she was or say that in this group. And that just reminded me of yeah. that. So people should check that. Like he, people can be anchored yeah. in a bad way to the stereotype that's assigned to them. Yeah, even if it's seen as a positive yeah. one because it's still putting you in this box. It's still saying like a label that you are this and it doesn't give people room to be a human. That- Can you think of a gendered word that you're referred to as? I know what mine would be. Um, I think that I would be called... I mean, the only one I can think is like bubbly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. For me? Well, for me. for you. Yeah. For women in general, Mm -hmm. that it's a positive, Mm -hmm. people say it as a compliment, Mm -hmm. like you're so bubbly, but they have never said that to a dude. Mm -hmm. And there's one that my husband used with women who are very powerful that I like kind of called him out on or like showed him the, how, what that means. I'm trying to think of what it is. It's, she's a real... It's not like ball buster. It's another battle axe. She's a real battle axe. And I was like, would you ever use that expression with a man? He's like, mm, probably not. Really? Mm-hmm. Wonder why that's gendered. That's weird. I don't know, but battle axe is, and I was like, it's very obvious you're talking about a woman every time you, you say Whoa. that. And it's like, I, I don't know. And it seems like a positive one. Yeah. But I only heard him say it as it, it like referencing women and it just made me go, Hmm, I want, what's that about? Yeah. I mean, language is powerful and we get into habits Mm -hmm. that we don't even probably think about. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly called people bubbly, no men. Correct. (laughs) But I have called people that and it is a compliment, but it's loaded. I recently found out what my nickname was at school with the cohort before they really got to know me and maybe still today. And I, it, I was like, oh. Tracy Flick. No question, girl. <gasps> ah! <sighs> and I like don't even care. And then I like I defended myself. Am but, furious. Yeah. yeah, question, girl. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. But I'm fine with. It. I mean, I'm like fine with it because I did ask a lot of questions. But here's my argument for why. What the fuck? I pay a lot of money to go to that school. <laughs> pay a lot of money per semester, and I've done the math, and it's like. Four to eight hundred dollars each class that I sit in. So you bet your ass, I'm asking four hundred dollars <laughs> worth of questions. And if you got a problem with it, I feel like you're not getting your dollars worth. I cannot believe that they called you that. It's not yeah. even a clever name, right. by the way. Right, question girl. But if I were a superhero, I mean, it'd be amazing. It'd be <laughs> like the Joker right. or no, the, the, the Riddler. The uniform designs itself, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just are the female totally. Riddler. Yeah, it's great. Question, girl. Fem- oh my god, that is a cool. I know it's not a bad thing, right? I'm kind of loving it. I cannot believe they admitted this to you. Well, yeah, it was like we, you know, and because uh, why I, are you so nice well, no, about I it? I was openly admitting that that oh, I don't know what we were talking about. Know, like, like you know what I asking, called you. <laughs> At, like, at, like knowing the intention of like why you're asking a question in class, and like if you're asking to teach everybody something or asking to learn something. And I was very open and honest with when I first got into the program, I was definitely asking to 
tell people what I knew. And I became aware of that and it changed how I asked questions, how frequently I asked questions. And then when I was openly talking about that, this person was like, oh yeah, we used to call you question girl. Oh, and I was okay. like, so it was, I was already admitting and talking about that. And it wasn't like this was, and mm. I didn't, and okay, if that's the worst, once again, if the worst thing people say about me is like. <laughs> that you're inquisitive. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You could call me that. It could be worse. Yeah. All right. Fair right. enough. Uh, tell the people what you decided, because you know how you use our code sometimes? Yeah. And you were sore oh, after yes. you went snowboarding. Yes. And yes. she decided she maybe needed to yep. kick up the it, well, old workouts. Believe it or not, you think, oh, sore, like that's uncomfortable, but it felt good. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, right. My bot, and I felt so good afterwards. I wanted to keep the train rolling. And I feel like my butt has, like, disappeared like gravity all of a sudden hit and i'm like where did it go for real it was like overnight i'm like i used to have a juicy booty and now it's a pancake booty mine is the worst i put on a pair of shorts the other day and i was like oh there's my mother oh in my ass that's how i felt i was like oh my god it's like no i can't so i was like (laughs) i am on mission get the booty back and so i am doing the 10 and i was like i gotta go start slow so I found one This program. is OpenFit, by the way. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I sent my code 303030 to OpenFit. That's what it is still, right? Yes. Okay, good. Candy. I'm just making sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I got, I started the 10 minute a day, like it's like 10 minute for fitness. I just sorted by what is the shortest yeah, that's length what of I used time. To do. So I'm like, I got to go. And let me tell you, I was sore after the booty and I'm going to just keep doing it because my brother said a hundred days of consistency will give you exactly like that yeah. will be yours a hundred days doable it's only it's three months is it the one you're doing called 600 seconds is that what it's no called? it's oh. a different one okay yeah it's with like that guy who's real popular i have to find out but they have um one called 600 seconds and i like that because it makes it feel like you can handle mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. you got 600 seconds yeah, that's doable um but if you guys want to join us because i too use open fit and it's changed the way we work out and you can use our code brain candy uh, on our fitness journey personalized just for you that's uh brain candy start using open fit for your journey to a healthier life and they are having an open fit 30 day challenge our listeners get a special extended 30 day free trial membership to open fit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text Brain Candy to 303030, you will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutritional information totally free. Again, Brain Candy to 303030. Mm-hmm. I like that you use our codes. All the time. Because, you know. I go on the website and I go to that page and I look it up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what else do I need? Okay. And it's like, it's I try to keep them all on the website, which is thebraincandypodcast.com. So that, because, you know, people forget and yeah. I want them to be able to find it. Yeah, so man. try to keep that updated. Yeah, man. Um, okay. What else is on my list? I did Mm -hmm. see a funny tweet today about how, you know how Fred Flintstone, (laughs) I love it already. (laughs) He uses his feet Yes, and they're like, why doesn't he just walk to work? He's essentially carrying his car. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good point. (laughs) And it just cracked me up. And then she wrote underneath, thanks for everyone in this thread who's mansplaining me about how Fred Flintstone's car works. (laughs) Like it's just a joke. Right, it's a, a lot great of dudes joke. Were like, actually, his feet propel it. You know what? My instinct was to <laughs> Sarah Sployton you that. Actually, it makes sense. It's kind of like well, because what's your take on how it works? Uh, you know those um, 
uh, feet propelled boats that you like pedal and it works. Oh yeah. That the, his feet, well, his feet are running on the ground though. I believe they are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His feet. Like an object in motion, Newton's law. Okay. Yeah. Cause somebody was like, it's called wheels. Yeah. Like it has wheels. Right. It's like oh, a scooter. Oh yeah. So he's, yeah, it's a scooter. He's scooting. So you're still going to go faster yes. than if you just walk. Right. But, but you wouldn't have to carry a car. Correct. I mean, he's not carrying It's it. real funny, though. That's a clever and hilarious tweet. And yeah. I don't like when people try to, like, break down a joke yeah. for, like, if it's funny, just let it be funny. Yeah. And and don't try to, like, you Obviously, know, break it down and, and be like, well, here's why. And did that really happen to you? Well, no, but for the story, I needed it to. What do you think it is that makes somebody feel like they, because they're ruining it, really. Yeah. But they don't think they are. They think they're adding to it. Who are these people? Mm. Do you think it's mostly dudes or are they getting a no. bad mm. rap here? I don't know. It'd be hard to say. Do you know women like this though? Would be like, well, actually. I feel like it falls in the same category as the women who try to like tell other mothers what they're doing wrong. Fuck them. I watched a great, my new favorite show, P.S., Blackish. Have you seen that show? No. It is so good, and everybody should be watching it, and I can't stop, and it's the, it's the funniest stop. show on television, and the most informative, yeah. and like, woke. Totally. I'm like, everybody <laughs> just needs to be watching Blackish. It's the best show ever, and that's it. Um, but no, in the, in the show, what the mom, one of, not one of the moms, the mom, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, Diana Ross's daughter. Love her. Uh, love, love her. her. She's, she's awesome. so amazing. I follow her on Instagram and she's a great follow. She yeah. has the best wardrobe uh, <laughs> on the show too. Anyways, I'm getting carried away. Um, so she joins this mom group online and at first she's like, it's great. They all understand and they all know how I feel. And then it turned into everybody judging her for yeah. everything she did. And it was like, your kids have too much time with the, you know, uh, uh, devices and all this stuff. And then she like is a doctor and they were trying to tell her that she's at aunt, like that with the vaccines and like how she shouldn't be doing that. And then called her like a murderer. And she's like, what you got? And then she like tried to defend with science and then like that didn't work. And she's like, that's it. Yeah. I'm out of here. Win. Yeah. She's like, I'm done with this. And even you know, when pulled the ripcord, if we go to a restaurant and we're just all talking or coloring or whatever, mm-hmm. oftentimes the server will compliment us for not using an iPad with Lincoln even that I don't like because sometimes he uses an iPad right. and including at restaurants, depending yeah. on where right. we are, what we're doing and what we've done that day. Yeah. And I don't like that we're saying this is an appropriate way to right. let your kid be at a restaurant. Because he doesn't know, you, they don't know how long, like what the rules are in your house. Right. So even when they're being nice, I, it kind of makes me yeah. feel, don't, don't comment. Yeah. You, it's, it, they mean well, but right. I just feel like. You don't know. And some kids might have special needs, et cetera. Totally. And need certain yep. whatever. Oh, that's a really good point. Just zip your lip. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. Yeah. Zip it. Uh, who did I... I have <laughs> a friend who said one of the most insightful, smart things. She's from LA and recently moved to Orange County. And she's um, a little bit older than me. She's probably like 45 or so. And she um, was like, I don't know, with all the moms at school or something like that, that where she was in a, in a social setting yeah. with people that she was just didn't know that well, but were like, you know, 
Acquaintances. Yes, acquaintances, people who should live near. And in an attempt, she said, like, it was an attempt for the other person to, like, you know, try to find some common ground or get to her or whatever, but came to her with a piece of gossip of, like, did you hear about da da da? I love that. And her response was, is there, before you continue, is this a person who needs any help with anything? Or is there anything that we can do to help her? Is this something that we need to take action on? And the other person was like, well, no. She's like, then I'm not interested in hearing it. And I was like, damn, that's so good. You're the best. I was like, I'm going to take a page out of that book. You're going to do that? Well, I mean, if I can sense that it was like, right. Susie's like, I can't wait for the (laughs) gossip. But she knew what was coming. And she was like, I'm not about to go down this road with these people or open the door to meet like them thinking that the only thing I care about is what's going on with the other moms in this. I'm going to nip it in the bud before it starts. That's respectable. And I was like, okay. It's very well, unusual though. Yes, that's what I said. I was like, you, that is badass. And you have to be really confident in yourself and be able to be like, is this something that we can help with? Does she need help? Oh, she doesn't? You know what? I think that's something that she that's wow. on, on you know her and I if, bet if that it's other something that we can help like with. shit though. Yep, and good for it. Oh, I'm fine Sarah. with that. Get it. So well, I love the that. The thing is though, there is a culture of bonding that happens when Correct. you're sharing private supposedly private yeah. information. Yeah. And it does serve sometimes to enhance a relationship, yeah. which is and why we're all in the habit. Right, and but it's great if it's like okay, say we're already established friends and then we have this friend over here and we're noticing some behavior from her and it's like, oh, did you see this? I really think maybe she needs to get up. Yeah. Oh, but she's kind of resistant to it. Oh, but you know, then maybe there's something in there where maybe we as friends can do something or like, oh, she needs some, maybe we should reach out, whatever it is. But for some rando stranger that you don't know, like... To try to like ingratiate themselves to yeah, you. totally. By yeah. shitting on someone else. Yeah. Yeah. She could smell it a mile away and she's like, I'm having none of this. I respect that. I do too. But I also really like gossip, so please share it with mm-hmm. me. Um, it's so true. Yeah. I get that. Uh, also, if, if you ship a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you should get this, which mm-hmm. is stamps.com. Yeah. It is. <laughs> she's saying You know what's funny is I had I got my scale in the mail. Yeah. Because I signed up. and yeah. one that, <laughs> She used our code. I totally did. Yeah. I got the mail, but I hadn't opened it or busted it out yet. Yeah. And I just recently like found that box again and opened it. And then I announced to Landon, hey, also the I bought like the sticker, the yes. sticker stamps. Yeah. Because he's always like, hey, can you go to the post office to get stamps? Not a problem anymore. <laughs> I showed him how to use it. I'm like, here are the labels. You can print it. <laughs> You're making him do hands it. Hands <laughs> off. And now I don't have any more stuff. Does he like it? Yes. Okay, good. Of course. He was like, oh, you're going to... And the best thing he said... You're gonna have to show me how it works and get me. And I just Sarah's logged on. Sarah's never been happier. Never <laughs> been happier. I was like, oh yes, I can. Boop boop beep, boop boop. There you go. It's so convenient, and it really is great. Like if you have a husband that's doing what Sarah yeah. or a wife or whatever, and you can outsource this work. Yeah. Now and it's easy, so they won't even mind. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer, your desk, your office, wherever you are. And you just print out that postage, put it on the letter, package, cl- any class of mail. Like regular stamps. Yeah. Like the ones that you yeah, go, Yeah, you know how you've been putting a stamp on things? Yeah. You can do that with anything. Easy. <laughs> and right now our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale that Sarah loves without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Brain Candy. That's stamps.com and enter Brain Candy. Sarah. Yes. 
We have a guest. Woo! I love a guest. You will love this guy. Mm. His name is Matt Richtel, and he wrote a book called An Elegant Defense, The Extraordinary New Science of the Immune System. We need this with all those superbugs out there. It's so great. And you would think, okay, what do I need to know about the immune system? This is going to be like dense and boring. Mm -hmm. It isn't at all. It was so informative, and I keep bringing it up to Adam because we were talking about how he, he calls it an elegant defense because if you think about your immune system... It is a really miraculous. Miraculous. Yeah. Like as soon as you get a cut, your body goes into action mm-hmm. to fix it and mm-hmm. help you heal and all of that. But if your immune system is underperforming or overperforming. As mine is with folliculitis. Yes. Yep. My immune system goes, oh, a hair? That's definitely a foreign invader. Attack the hair follicle. <laughs> I'm like, no, chill out, dude. You're overperforming. Yeah. Or if you have allergies yes. or like Crohn's disease, you know, where your body can't handle gluten, that's where your body's like attacking stuff that right. is harmless. Yeah. But regardless, he describes what's cooking in your body. So you get the science, but it's also through, it's called an elegant defense, but it's a tale in four lives. So he describes what four people are going through. And I learned so much about AIDS. Oh, interesting. How that changed the world in terms of like science and how people understood how the body worked. We kind of didn't know what was going on. And then people were getting sick with this thing that wasn't cancer. Mm -hmm. There was no disease. It was symptoms. Mm Mm-hmm. And when symptoms are all you've oh, got... Oh, it's all an attack of the immune system. That's exactly... Oh, my God. Yeah. Because your white blood cell count and all that. Yeah. Wow. And I learned so much, and I really came to appreciate... A, his storytelling is... He's a Pulitzer Prize winning oh, a writer. For I was like, sex. you're super fancy. Yeah. Like, you're amazing. But it's just really great storytelling, but also you learn a lot. So I would encourage anybody... A lot of people have autoimmune issues. Yep. A lot of people don't know why their body's acting weird. Some people have like fibromyalgia yeah. and all that stuff where I'm like, is that real? Yeah. And he breaks down what's really going on in their body. It's yeah. really fascinating. Sometimes I think I have that. Do I get you? weird internal pains that feel like they're like in my bone. Like, And sometimes it happens if I don't work out regularly. That's interesting because yeah. they say that one of the things they recommend for people with that is exercise yeah. and nutrition. And I notice that when I'm not, I can feel it more. And Maybe it's like at night too. Well, and women are the invisible victims of all yeah. this because yeah. we're all like, hey, my body hurts. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. So yeah. you mustn't have anything. Didn't know I had endometriosis until I was 20. No, how old am I? 32. And yeah, like last year. And that I had an upside down and mobile uterus. Upside down? Yeah, it's inverted and mobile, like not attached to anything. Oh my God. Which apparently isn't as rare as you think. It's one in six women. Is he floating around in yeah. there? Yeah. Huh. Right. See, Upside down. It's because you're so bubbly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Just yeah. floating. But like, wouldn't that, you know. That is. We don't right. know. We don't know. And I didn't, and I had been dealing with it. And then I saw the commercial where it was like, do you have pain? You should tell your doctor and speak up. And so I did. And they were like, oh yeah, let's check you for that. Oh yeah, you have that. Yeah. And I was like, well. Good okay. thing I spoke up because I've been suffering in silence since I was 15 and thought this was just like, oh, that we just get bad periods and that just last forever. And this is just what the family gets. Yeah, no. it's like a life sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Not true. Well, and he does a great job of saying, it doesn't just feel like, well, this is what happens. So now, you know, it's empowering because it's Ooh, like, yeah. here's what you can do. Does he say bite body. your nails helps? 
Yeah. Good. I knew it. Yes, it's it the only thing holding me up. Because uh, we've over sanitized. Yes. Basically, companies were yeah. like, how can we sell more bleach? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Scare the shit out Make of people. Make germs the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Right. But really, we should be playing in the dirt. Yeah. We should be picking our nose and eating it. Ooh, I definitely did that when I was little. <laughs> Biting our nails, things like that actually help your immune system because we, I was telling Adam, like, when you go to another country, that they drink the water there mm-hmm. and they don't get sick, mm-hmm. but you aren't right. used to those. I learned that the hard way in Peru. <laughs> oh, my God, that was the worst. What do they worst. call that? Montezuma's revenge. Yeah. yeah. Everyone on our trip got it. It was so bad. And then you hit your goal weight. Yep. <laughs> but anyway. One flew away from a shark. That's awful. Um, please read the Ele- An Elegant Defense, The Extraordinary New Science of the Immune System, and enjoy my interview with Matt Richtel. He's a delight. I can't wait to hear what he keeps in the trunk of his car. Yes. Ooh. I asked him. All right. Welcome, Matt. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the Brain Candy Podcast. I loved your book. I have so many questions. Oh, well, I uh, I will try to answer them, and when I can't, I'm just going to cough uncomfortably <laughs> and right. redirect, and then uh, you know feign my own death. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'll kill dead air. It's fine. <laughs> um, first of all, let's talk about how you're super fancy and have a Pulitzer, and <laughs> I <laughs> I want to know, like, okay, so you get the Pulitzer, and then you, you're like either. I'm awesome and everyone can suck it and I do whatever I want, or you feel like all this pressure to be amazing again. What was it like for you? You know, truthfully, okay, let's get it out of the way. I mean, I'm huge, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Dauntingly awesome. <laughs> um, I, I actually get into it in this book in some ways when I talk about my own personal reckoning, but I made peace with myself probably in my early 30s. And the result of that was that I didn't, I'm not as driven by external things as I once was. Mm -hmm. And it's been a huge blessing in that, for instance, it gets me onto shows and lets me share my my writing with other people, but the up, but, but I don't view myself any differently and I don't, and the muse that drives me was, was not changed by that. It only created more opportunity for me to do what I like doing, but I, I, I kid you not it what it, 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 it's not a defining facet of me in my own mind. Really? Yeah. I, I swear to you, but listen, I hit a real, <laughs> I mean, this book is a lot about about the immune system is a lot about self and self acceptance. Don't when I say that I had a pretty rough go of it in my twenties when I confronted you know you know the realities of life, and so this is a it's a hard earned kind of um, self acceptance that I that I wound up with, and it just and I truly answer you, it's not it's not my defining characteristic. I mean, my my great looks are. Um, and my biceps, obviously. Right, right. but you try to stay humble. I think I only have one bicep. (laughs) Just that's all you need. That's all you need. 
Um, well, those parts of the book that were my favorite when you were describing your own experiences, because I think that you represent a lot of folks these days who, as you put in the book, you know, are always on and there's all this stress. Yep. And then you said that you gave yourself permission to relax. And I thought that yep. was really insightful. It's, it's, it's a very hard thing. I mean, I imagine listeners are saying, what in the world does this have to do with the immune system? But it actually <laughs> has everything to do with the immune system. Um, because there are some, I'm sure we'll get into this, but there are only so many levers you can pull on in your life. And, and one of them is, is gaining a level of, or giving yourself permission to relax, let go, and to let your body do what it would naturally do. And in a, in a very competitive world in which we're raised oftentimes to please, it can be hard to do that. It takes, yeah. I mean, it, it's, a grueling, it's a grueling process for many people. Um, it was for me. Well, and you acknowledge that the system of the world with social media and just the kind of bizarre ways that millennials work as well, where there's no boundaries between leisure and, um, you know, making a living can really do damage to your body. Did that surprise you to learn or you always felt like you knew that? Well, I mean, I knew knew that from trial and error myself, but the extent to which it has an impact and more importantly the underlying science were a surprise to me um uh, because it because the 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 connect the connections between our behavior and our health um with the immune system of the, as the mediator are super super clear and that that was that was new to me that the the, the the power of the immune system, or to put it another way, the immune system is the river that runs through health, longevity, happiness, um, sanity in certain ways. And I don't think I understood the extent that we can uh, modulate that through our behavior. Do you think that a, a big reason why we are misinformed about it is because of this weird marketing thing where they're making us scared of bacteria and such? Well. I would say I would say very. Let's just talk about marketing in general because it winds up being a big part of the of the um, the ways we the, the formulations we have of the world. And it's interesting. Someone asked me at a book reading the other night, like, you know, is this like are these big evil companies doing X and Y and Z? I tend to think of the marketing messages we get as being outgrowths of things that we are that we find palatable in the first place. Mm. And what I mean is that like let's just take the 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 high I'll give you two examples both relevant to what we're talking about here. One is around hygiene and one is around being always on. We we evolved in an environment that was pretty darn scary from the standpoint of germs and pathogens. And I, I even quote in the book in Exodus, you know, there's something about ritual hand washing and you have really deeply um, held cultures and habits um, from certain religions about not eating, say, pork or beef. Mm-hmm. I would suspect those came from, you know, um, real fears about hygiene and getting sick and dying and having no 
no antibiotics, no clean water. And so when you see these marketing messages, they grow out of some deep-seated primitive fears. And and what what tends to happen in society, and as my observation now, uh, when I say uh, obnoxious, like mansplainy sentences, like what happens, <laughs> to, but it's, only, it's worse than mansplaining, it's matsplaining. <laughs> but when I say that, it's only because I'm old. What, but I think what, what has happened to us, peer, that we're in a really interesting period where we are dealing with the overcorrections that we have made in response to some deeply primitive problems that that face the human species and i can give you lots of examples we we brought in processed foods to deal with the need for more calories but we overcorrected and created doritos and now we have obesity as a rampant problem and similarly like let's take the be so so just to go back to hy- hygiene for a second, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, before I go into the specifics of it, I, I will tell you why the overcorrection is a problem. But I want to give one other example to go back to what you were just talking about, about being always on. The marketing of our cell phones and our devices plays to a primitive fear that we could fall behind, that we need to be in touch, that we will lose out economically. And so there's been a huge push that plays to a deep-seated fear, and we are overcorrecting by being always on all the time in a way that's detrimental to our health, our relationships, and other things. So that's what I mean when I say we've overcorrected, and I think what's happening in a lot of circles, unfortunately, this tends to be a have-and-have-nots have issue, but in educated mm-hmm. circles, people are beginning to address the overcorrection. Well, and so what do you think the future will hold? How will this rebound? Well, I think it's rebounding. I, mean, I, yeah. think that, I think that what is happening and what has happened over the course of human history, um, about which I tend to be fairly optimistic, is that we correct and we correct and we refine. And sometimes, sometimes we go way too far in a particular direction, whether culturally, economically, militarily. Um, but we do have a pretty good instinct for survival and a capacity to find the lanes that, that, um, that, that are safe. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think in some ways this book, I, I mean, I, I don't want to single out this book, but this book is among those kinds of efforts. This is an effort to educate people about the immune system, which turns out to have been misrepresented in many ways. And, you know, through the blessing of, of my experience and, 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 and my, you know, through years of doing this and the Pulitzer Prize and the New York Times Connection, I was able to interview the immunologists who sit at the mountaintop. And I've tried to sort of, of lay out a, uh, a, a more nuanced version of what the immune system is and how we can handle it. And I think that's what lots of journalists and podcasters and, and writers and others are trying to do right now. So that's where I think it plays out broadly over time. Well, that's why I thought your book was so brilliant is because you're obviously, you know, fancy Pulitzer, but you're not um, an expert in that field. 
And yet you were able to make this palatable to people like me who had no idea what was cooking in our body. And I wonder why you didn't feel intimidated or did you to tackle the topic? Oh, gosh, absolutely. It's just that um, I think I, I, I don't well, you'll have to tell me what drives you and your creativity. But for me, when I get inspired about something, mm-hmm. I tend not to view it as obstacles. I view them as um, puzzles or challenges I'm inspired to untangle. And so while it may be hard, I, I, I don't, I guess I don't really view it that way. I think to myself, well, in part because this is hard, it probably means there's an opportunity to really untangle it for people. And yeah. then where, where I become extremely excited is can I do this with such compelling storytelling that someone would enjoy not just slog through, but genuinely enjoy <laughs> reading about a topic like this? Yes. And, and that just lights a fire beneath me. Well, you did such a great job. And I mean, I hope you have that sense. It's complete and now people are consuming it. Do you feel that sense of like, I did it? You know, <laughs> I, I I have been getting some really one really amazing notes lately, mm-hmm. um, and it's made me wonder if this is. I mean, I've written a number of books, and uh, my last nonfiction book I was has been really well received, and I I tried to do something similar in that book around attention science, but I have noticed with the notes I've gotten that with this book that I seem to be connecting very much with readers and it it makes me realize that um, there is no substitute for experience and each time you um, undertake or one undertakes something as you get better um, I suppose it's possible that that this really may be one where I I I, I connected with readers in a way that uh, that that I guess I that that drove me to try to do. That's really special. Don't you feel so great? <laughs> it beats the alternative. I mean, no joke. I'm so impressed. Oh, well, but- I will. I, I'll say this. Um, first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart for saying it. I do feel very blessed. I, I've, I've got a, I've got healthy kids and a wonderful wife and uh, and a and a dog I like to cuddle with. And a cat who's annoying but but palatable. And a bicep. And I I mean I I mean one (laughs) gnarly huge bicep, and then just a it's just empty space on the other side. It's very curious. So whenever I was thinking about a deadly wandering and how it deals with, you know, the consequences of distraction and attention, do you feel in any way like this book is uh, in a similar vein? I mean, I feel like it's in a similar vein in that the effort is to try to um, tell a story that readers would find compelling and pay them off with some understanding about themselves and their world that is um, that is both novel and um, and relevant and truly relevant um, to their lives. Like, I don't believe I'm entitled to anyone's attention. And in that respect, mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's something that drives me to, to be a, a, res, 
a compelling narrator, but also that pays people off. I don't know. You tell me. Do they do they seem similar to you? I thought that the uh, essence of the behaviors that we embrace, whether consciously or not, have huge effects on our safety and well-being. And yeah. I thought you did such a great job in this book of saying, you know, some things feel like we have no power over them. But here, it was an empowering message that you gave because you said, here are things you can do to make your life better. And who doesn't want that advice? I think I'm struck. I, I, someone said to me, um, a good friend of mine who's a, one of the best writers in the world for my money said to me, um, when he, after he read this, he said, you know, I really appreciate that you were dissatisfied with the surface level answers. Mm -hmm. And the reason I mention that is we have a lot of challenges societally. Um, I think we always have. Um, but I think sometimes we can get into screaming matches without recognizing some of the underlying fundamentals that drive us, um, whether it's political divides, relationship divides. And, and I, there's something you just said about the subconscious thing or the primitive levels really entrances me because I think to get at solving our issues, whatever those are, however you want to define them, it really helps to understand the underlying mechanism. And so I find that, I find that, um, uh, really compelling to learn about, and ideally, if I've done it right, to, to elucidate for readers. Well, and you had your own experience at a younger age, but now you're exploring it through for the book. And I'm wondering, you knew a lot already, but did you change your mind about anything whilst you were writing it? Oh my gosh, so much! I, I this is this is um, there were so many eye-opening pieces, and and. I think the one there are a couple images that stick with me. I didn't put this in the book, but it but it's you can feel it's you, for anybody who winds up reading it. I think this will you'll see what I'm getting at. Do you remember the movie The Matrix? Yeah. So remember all the ones and zeros that <laughs> that wound up uh, the the characters realized who could see what was around them that there was this invisible world of of digits of mm -hmm. ones and zeros of um of computer code well one of the things that really opened my eyes and has changed how i think about us in the world and the world itself is that we are surrounded by microbes I, if you look on your computer your microphone your your podcasting equipment your pen your desk your arm your gut there are microbes everywhere you are surrounded by proverbial ones and zeros and hmm. the reason that is so important to me as a fundamental notion is that it explains the kind of world that an immune system or a defense network must exist inside of and so let me just pause there does that does that just general world conception make sense? Yeah, I'm into that. You're into that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, because otherwise I was going to have to, like, show <laughs> my bicep. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm into <laughs> or that, build too. Another one. If you could just pause while I build up the other <laughs> bicep, I'm going to be super intimidating. It'll just take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Done. Now, unfortunately, I have no hamstring. It just moved. So, the... The, the relevance of that to the immune system is if you think about the net, 
the world in which our defense network evolved, it evolved in a world where it had to be so sensitive to microbes everywhere, and most of those microbes would do us no harm. Mm. So a huge part of the job of the immune system is in the decision-making process, not in the police state attack process. It is, I think of the immune system now, much less as a zealous police state and much more as a as the love child of a bouncer and a ballet dancer. <laughs> and which is which obviously would be a smoking hot. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Tell me more. Do you have video? Right. <laughs> Pictures or it didn't hey, happen. What kind of filthy show is this? <laughs> you come to the right place, let's face it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, okay, they walk in this room, right? It's sultry. There's a bed shaped as a giant heart. Um, so I think of it as a bouncer and a, and a ballet dancer and really the job of the immune system, rather than just going crazy with attack and brawling is to tip is to, is to identify really dangerous things and then attack them with as little violence as necessary to get the job done. And so as to do two th- preserve two things. One is our relationship, our cooperative relationship with all the other microbes in the world and in our bodies. And two is to, not, is to do as little damage to our own tissue in the process. And that is why a huge part of the immune system, like imagine that there's thousands of molecules in the immune system, many more than we can ever, than we've ever, um, you know, uh, identified at this point. But a huge number of them are tailored to, to put the brakes on the immune system, to cause it to slow down rather than attack. That's a major new conception for me. Right. And confusing to most people, I would think. And, and confusing, except for this. I think most people are awakening to it. No, not mm. most people. Sorry, I retract that. Some people are awakening <laughs> to the fact that an overly aggressive immune system, and here I'm talking not only about pure autoimmune disorders, although those are really serious and on the rise, but things like fatigue, low-grade fever, pain, those are actually as much a function of a little bit imbalanced immune system, meaning Mm. a little too much inflammation, Mm. as it is, as that that owes as much to that as it does to some outside pathogen. Right. And And don't you think that's what's so confusing for folks is that and including doctors who are looking at these symptoms and being like, well, there's no foreign agent, so we don't know. So we don't know. And that's yeah. why I refer especially to the um, the women who have suffered disproportionately through history with autoimmune disorders for a variety of reasons is that as the invisible women, how mm-hmm. frustrating can it be, must it be, is it, when you know your stomach hurts, you know yeah. your joints hurt, you know you're fatigued and can't get out of bed, and someone says, yeah, but you got nothing. 
Mm-hmm. No. And my answer is just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's any less real. It's invisible only because there's no pathogen or virus or bacteria that's causing it. But you are attacking yourself and you are just as dangerous and arguably more dangerous to you than is any outside force. How I'll did give you, you good. No, no, go ahead. I just want to give you a really a really interesting personal example that that happened the last few days. And my wife happens to be a doctor and we have been vexed by this. So my book launched, I guess now two days, two weeks ago yesterday and uh, went on NPR and the whole thing and jumped <laughs> to 16 on Amazon and um, all this wonderful stuff started happening. And I got stressed, my immune mm. system weakened for reasons that are explained in the, not this illness, but the relationship between stress and a weakened immune system, I got the flu. And it was a pretty gnarly three or four days that brought me up till about the middle of last week. And at that point, something really interesting and vexing happened. I think I was over the flu. I think it was purged from my body, but I was continuing to feel a lot of the feelings of fatigue and um, stomach upset. And I will tell you that my wife and I spent a lot of time wondering whether the pathogen had been cleared and what I was then experiencing was only the after effects of inflammation. And the reason that question's important is it would go to dictate what behaviors I did after that. Do you resume a certain diet? Do you then go exercise because that's helpful in diminishing inflammation. These are really interesting questions that I think we're coming to terms with as a society, trying to understand, as Yates put it and is quoted in the book, what is the dancer and what is the dance? Mm. What is the cause and what is the symptom? Well, I'm so glad that you wrote the book, though, because I do think that the conversation is so important to have. And the more people that are talking about it, perhaps the better our results will be in figuring all this out. Um, I, I do, and I do hope that people, when they get the basic sciences I have, will begin to be able to make more informed decisions about their behavior. Yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned in the book, you know, tweak your immune system at your own risk. There are consequences to the choices we make in regards to medicine as well. And that's sure. something we don't often think about, I, I don't think. No, I do think... I do think um, the, especially these very, very powerful immune-centric medicines are on the market. They're the, about the best-selling medicines in the world, things like Humira and um, some of these, uh, these immunotherapy drugs for cancer. They have some wondrous possibilities, but they also really monkey with the immune system. Your eyes should be fully wide open when you take these, and you should be... Um, again, here on Matt's planning, excuse me, but I would just, this is what I would say to myself if I went to the doctor. Hey, Matt, I would Matt's plane to myself. Matt, ask all the hard questions. This is your body. You deserve answers. Yeah, man. My grandma always said you got to be smarter than your doctor. So I feel like, you know, we're on the same page. Well, uh, your grandma. <laughs> she knows stuff. <laughs> we have one question that we ask everybody, and it is supposed to be indicative of where you are in your life. And that question okay. is, what do you keep in the trunk of your car if you have a car? Um, 
Well, this will tell you where we are in our lives. We live in San Francisco, <laughs> and we can't keep anything in the trunk because it will get stolen. But I will tell you the four things. There are four things I would take with me in the event of fire. Let's hear it. All right. I would take my tennis rackets. Come on. I would take my guitar. Okay. I would take my espresso maker and bean grinder. <laughs> and I would take the dog. Oh, that's nice. I mean, I'm assuming you're I'm assuming the family is all in the Yeah, it's implicit. <laughs> but but I think here's where I am in my life. I I I get a <laughs> lot of peace out of exercise i create like crazy for better or worse and that's my guitar um i I love the dog and no i mean what's the point of of it all if you can't have a good latte oh that's true but what are you playing on the guitar what's your signature song there well uh my signature song are all ones i write myself and if you want the one that got on the radio i'll send it to you for real yeah my god you're a renaissance man I'm I'm a Renaissance mat with a butt one bicep. Man, you're just full of surprises. I do. I write a lot of mediocre music, but occasionally it works out. That's fantastic. I'm so glad I found that out. Um, you're off the hook now. I just want everyone to read your book. I'm so excited for the audience to see how awesome you are. And I just can't wait to read your next thing. So pressure's on. What are you going to do for me? What are you going to make next? Well, now that I know it's for you, yeah, um, it's going to be, it's going to be, okay, so I want you to picture this. There's a bouncer, <laughs> yeah, okay, <right. laughs> and a ballet dancer. All right, I'm already writing the story in my where, mind. Where do you want it set? <laughs> I'm going to really have to think about this. I'll get back I want to you. you to, you come up with your your dream scenario here, and we'll we'll uh, we'll work it out. Yeah, we'll collaborate. This is our our project together. Awesome. Thank you I'm so much, in. Matt. I appreciate your time. You're a delight. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.